Welcome to the Speaker Podcast. I'm your host, Camille Essex, and on this podcast, I cover topics ranging from entrepreneurship to relationships to beauty, wellness, and empowerment. Each week, I explore topics impacting women looking to start a business, heal from past hurts, or looking to start a new chapter in life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Camille Essex the host of the Speaker Podcast, and thank you for tuning in today. I am super, super excited. I have my very first guest I have on air today. Her name is Dr. Jacqueline Davis from Nashville, Tennessee. And at this point, I want Jacqueline to join in with us and um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Jackie. Well, greetings, everyone. I am excited to be here and excited to be a part of the Speaker Podcast. Thank you so much, Camille, for inviting me. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm from Texas originally. We'll start there. And I've always had a love for helping, healing, anything having to do with the arts. And I have had an opportunity to travel all over the world, sharing my gift of song, sharing my gift of helping and healing and nutrition and herbalism over the last 10 years. And it's been really, really amazing. I got to Nashville because I am an alumnus of Fisk University. Any Fiskites out there represent? Whoop, whoop. Um, but I have been here ever since I graduated there. I got my undergrad and master's in clinical psychology from there and went on to study with the Institute of Counselor Development for my continuing education and higher degrees in clinical Christian counseling, and that's where I received my other specifications in clinical Christian counseling and temperament counseling. And I have continued to broaden my horizons from there, studying energy healing, studying herbalism, studying food, advocacy, nutrition, anything that has to do with the mind, body, and the spirit. I am there. I am there because all three parts help us be this one organism that's amazing. So I'm just here to help and I'm just here to share and I'm just glad to be here. Well, uh, Dr. Davis, thank you so, so much again for joining me here. Um, Shout out to Fisk University. I went to MTSU, but I've always wanted to attend the HBCU. That's on my uh, my bucket list. So I envy you for being an HBCU grad. Again, shout out to Fisk <laughs> University. Because <laughs> yes. yes. I just wanted to wear that HBC, HBCU grad t-shirt. I'm a, that, that is my confession. <laughs> nice. It's a good but, feeling. Yeah. So I I have known Dr. Davis. Jackie, how long have I known you? Has it been over 20 years? Been a very long time, sis. Oh, my, my goodness. And yes, and I will say to to those listening, um, Jackie is very professional and so stellar in her field. And I really believe um, what she has is a gift, and she is an innovator in her industry. So she is definitely someone to watch for in the field of black mental health. So with that being said, Jackie, Jackie, 
what inspired you to pursue an education in this field? Well, it was actually by mistake. Really? And I say that because I wanted to be an OBGYN. Oh, wow. I went into Fisk University, pre-med major. I knew what I was going to do and until I met chemistry. And chemistry changed my mind. I had one of the top five professors in the nation and her name was Dr. Princella Smart Evans. I will never forget that name because she changed changed my perspective of smart. I realized that I was not. Well, at that time, you know, I felt like, but uh, (laughs) after that was the first class I ever failed in my entire life. And I said, I literally called my mother and said, pack my bags. I'm coming home. I don't, I don't know what this is. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, I can't do this. And she just, you know, my mother, she knows me. She kind of laughed and was like, get your life together. Like, get it together. Like, she literally just said, take a deep breath and get it together because you know you're not going to do that. Shout out to the moms that always, (laughs) like, get us back together. Shout out to all the moms out there. Where will will we be without the moms, right? Right. (laughs) She is my everything. But, okay, so after that, getting back to... What I wanted to do, I love studying the human experience. Right. So I, my next thought was, okay, what about psychology? Mm -hmm. And I just dove in head first. I was on the dean's list ever since I changed my major. I love, I I love everything about psychology, neurological psychology. Oh gosh, I was in that book. You couldn't get me out of that book. (laughs) But studying people and the way the mind works because I am after I came out of school I realized that there are different schools of thought when it comes to psychology there mm-hmm. are many 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 mm-hmm. most people know of Freudians you know or there's neo-Freudians or they're behavioralists but I come the the modality that spoke most to me was cognitive behavioral okay. because thoughts become Thoughts become actions. Right. In my mind, my term of thoughts are the way you think is the way you behave. So if we can train our mind and understand the mind, you can understand the behaviors of an individual. That's the equation that makes sense to me. And cognitive behavioral therapy is the modality that I started in and I continue to use things from. But that's where I I, I birthed my, my, my practice out of. So that really made sense to me and I, I loved it. So I've just been able to carry those lessons on to the rest of my life and help individuals along the way oh wow thank you so much for sharing that I it's so crazy all the years that I've known you I didn't I, I just did not know you had that experience with with chemistry because when I was at MTSU I thought I wanted to be a nurse and chemistry uh <laughs> it was a reality call and I was like oh maybe this is not for me and that's how I became a business major so yes we have that in kind chemistry uh it, it, it changed your life, yes, yes. It changed your life. It rocked my world. So <laughs> on, <laughs> on to the next question. Why is mental health so taboo in the black community, particularly in the black church? Like I've noticed a lot of times when people are dealing with mental health issues, they tend to, um, or just we as a body, as far as the black community, particularly the black church, want to dig deeper into spirituality versus dealing with that actual issue where there's depression or some form of anxiety and not saying that God can't heal and prayer helps but why is it that instead of just dealing with it from the the standpoint of maybe um you need to go see a therapist or you know what I'm saying it's just always 
you digging deeper into religion or spirituality. Can you unpack that for me, Dr. Davis? Yes. And let's speak to just being African-American in America first. Okay. Because that's all our condition Mm -hmm. right now. Um, Because I've read a whole lot of studies over the years. Mm -hmm. And, well, there is a journal. And according to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, Mm -hmm. the African-Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health problems than the general population. And what do you think is the cause of that? Like, why do you think we experience it more than the general population? Well, because we have to think of where we are and what the general population is. We are in a systematically designed racist situation. We don't live in a society that's geared towards our benefit. So it's like social PTSD that's been on going on generationally. Is that correct? Most definitely. I would agree with that. And what we see in our communities that it runs rampant is major depressive disorder, um, attention deficit, hypertivity, you know, disorder, ADHD, you know, for short. Yes. Suicide, post-traumatic stress disorder. And there have been so many names and so many... Uh, we have post-traumatic slave disorder. We have post-traumatic love disorder. And I mean, literally the names and the labels just keep becoming present because people are identifying different ways to point out these spiritual situations. Wow. You know that I speak to those things because every situation that manifests in a human person's body has a spiritual root, but I'll get back back to that. So it's like a mirror pretty much. But the reason why we see these things in our communities from the question you ask is because African-Americans are more likely to experience certain factors that increase their risk, depending on the mental health condition, like their homelessness, homelessness in our community, the percentage is higher than the general population. Mm Mm-hmm. Exposure to violence. Exposure to violence in our communities is much higher than in the general population. And even as a country, everyone now that has a television, a phone, any social media can see that our brothers and sisters are being killed in the streets yes. with, with no regard and no recourse. Yes, I, I saw that, you know, uh, particularly with um, um, one of my sorors, Sandra Bland. Um, yes. She's a member yes. of Sigmund Gamma Rho. And- that's when it really hit home for me, you know, seeing that um, on the media. And that still touches um, the community. And it also showed me that, you know, at first it was pretty much just our black men like Sean Bell, um, Tamara Rice. But then when it's happening to women, our women, you know, yes. as in the community, and then it just it just opened up a whole nother dimension to this thing. And we as a community have had to grieve and process these things. Yes. When you're talking about the church, we grieve differently than mm-hmm. the general population. Literally, ancestrally, we do not grieve the same. Right. So when it comes to the church, first of all, just being human in our own skin, we when you come into these situations, we all know that the church can be a judgmental place. Yeah. In general. So the reason why it's taboo is sometimes is because of the humanness that exists in a place that it has humans in it. But the, you know, but the the judgment that comes with, quote unquote, airing your laundry or the self-righteousness. Yes, self-righteousness, most definitely. Mm -hmm. And 
I would follow that up to say some people see mental illness as a type of judgment upon a person Mm -hmm. because of a particular behavior or something that, you know, they don't know of, but anytime something goes wrong in someone's life, they would like to point it out as that, Oh, you, you just ain't living right. You know? So Mm -hmm. it's not always about what someone else perceives from the outside. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I always said, and I think, it's becoming more popular now that people understand that the church is a spiritual hospital. Right. Everyone in there is going to be messed up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they come to get Very healing true. and restoration for. Mm-hmm. So the church is not the place for perfect people. And what about the stigma as far as, um, oh, it's a spirit or not even factoring the fact that um, some of the mental illnesses out there, it's genetic. Maybe your grandmother suffer from mm-hmm. depression or some form of anxiety and then your mom had it and you had it and not factoring in uh, the uh, genetic factor of mental illness. That comes, that stumbles in when you have the misinformation okay. of the population. And that again, trickles down from the lack of understanding, the lack of uh, exposure to certain knowledges mm-hmm are kept in certain circles. So when you are in a, and a place that has individuals that might be in a lower socioeconomic status, they're doing what they were taught, what somebody said, what somebody said, and then what somebody else said, Mm -hmm. if there is no one to bring in a different perspective, then you're going to have misinformation passed on throughout the years as well. So there is a overarching distrust again from going outside of your family unit or even outside of the church mm-hmm. because we don't we're usually mistreated mm-hmm. and misdiagnosed in the medical arena so individuals that might go see a professional mm-hmm. number one they feel like they're not helping them they feel like they're doing something to them mm-hmm. they don't they don't trust them so that they're going to listen to someone that looks like them or someone that they can trust but that information might be wrong but you, you know? know what that's a very good point and and when you were saying that regarding uh, mistrust of the medical community it made me think of uh culturally um the black community has a, a built-in uh, sense or thought pattern or psychology of distrust because of cases like the Tuskegee men, Tuskegee men experiment, or mm-hmm. Henrietta Lacks, where our DNA was stolen, and um, yeah. using our ancestors even today as guinea pig, pigs for um, medical experiments, and because of that distrust that we were mishandled by predominantly white. Um, those in the medical community as a result it made us made us shy away from um, treatment you know not only with mental health but just you know mammograms uh, for Mm -hmm. men prostate exams because you know that stigma of I don't know what you're putting in my body I don't know what you're doing to me you know you're telling me it's one thing but could be another so could you could you unpack that a little bit more yes I would completely agree with you with that and especially when it comes to things that are non- tangible, right? right? When you're dealing with an individual who has a particular illness or some dis-ease going on in the body, emotional dis-ease, dis-ease, that's where the word comes from. There's a mm-hmm. dis meaning not ease in the body. Right. So if you, and, and allopathic medicine is what the West 
practices. They zoom in on the symptom or whatever's wrong and they look at it and they cut it out or cut it off, right? Okay. But that's not a holistic perspective. A holistic perspective asks where's the root? Where did it start? Mm-hmm. How do we find where it came from? But because medicine is practiced in that way here, and I would agree with you, because individuals have done so much research and studied and it was unproportionately done on minority individuals because they did not value the life of the person that they use. What can we, how can we not be cautious? Mm-hmm. I think that we deserve to be cautious, but also make educated decisions based on sound research and on our intuition. I, I really feel like people up are, we have been trained out of using our intuition mm-hmm. and we should use it much, 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 much more. Mm-hmm. But uh, us not trusting the the medical profession or people in, in a quote-unquote white coat um, <clears throat> is something that's generational. And we have to, we have to see people that look like us, quote-unquote, in white coats or someone with education that can sh- show us where we need to help ourselves instead of becoming helping an individual become dependent. And I think that's what most people are afraid of. They see, they want, I don't want to become dependent upon you. I need to learn how to heal myself. Some people take that initiative. Mm -hmm. Some people are just used to popping pills. And I'm not saying that either is right or wrong or better or worse, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to your individual healing, you should be an advocate for yourself and be able to, make decisions with confidence and that and that comes from being able to trust your health care provider wherever that comes from but mm-hmm. it's hard it definitely is hard in this society to trust it is because we see so much distrust we see yes. so much abuse Ab- yes ma'am yes ma'am it is very hard for us to do that and when it comes to the church that's why individuals refer refer back to their faith right. because again mental illness is non-tangible mm-hmm. I, you can't touch my depression you know, right. So, but you know, I can give you this quote unquote pill and come back in two weeks and tell me if you feel better, Mm -hmm. but learning how to work through and cope with how, what you're feeling and the root of where that comes from is a process that requires vulnerability. And that's not something that most African-Americans are willing to do with general, the general population. But that's why they say, I, I just go, I'll just talk about it in prayer. Right. (laughs) Yes. Uh, right. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. Cast your and care. Again, I'm not speaking that yes. the altar that does not change exactly. does not help. I, yes. I, yes. I am a product of that. So am I. But yes. What, yes. But what I'm saying is, we have to learn that there are resources that are available to us that are that need to be worked into our lives. That actually have to coping skills to help us push past these barriers because. Right along with dealing with mental illness, the shame, the um, the lack of trust, the certain thinking errors and those thinking patterns, they have no they have no respect of person, they have no respect of religion, they have no respect of anything. Mm-hmm. So we have to come outside of what we know and move towards practices that are practical, literally practical that yes. we can do every day to help us move towards. I I like that. I like that so much, Dr. Davis. And then um, that leads me into my next question. Um, You know the saying, you are what you eat. 
And um, for those just tuning in, I'm, I'm chatting with Dr. Jackie Davis. She's a holistic uh, nutritionist and also clinical psychologist, psychologist and therapist. And uh, we are discussing mental health in the black community. And, and in my next question, Dr. Davis, nutrition and mental health, is there a link? Of course there is a link. Now, you just said uh, that you are what you eat. Yes. And I even go further to say that you are what you absorb. Wow. Because, because when, it, when it comes to what we're eating in our, in our bodies, mm-hmm. we, we make decisions sometimes based off of taste. And I can, I can, I can say I've done that before. I really have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but what you put into your, your body should be nutrient dense. Most of the mental illness says that we are dealing with in society today come from mineral and vitamin deficiencies. Mm, wow. We're literally not getting enough of what we need, um, really and truly. Do you think but the lifestyle today has a lot to do with that? Everyone's on the go and we're going through the drive through and some people going to Chick-fil-A and McDonald's and we're just you know, snacking at work versus, can you um, dig into that as well? Yes, most definitely. We are, they are training us again. We live in a capitalistic society, capitalistic. Um, so it's about getting money, making profit. Mm-hmm. And we are the individuals that are making those things happen. So the hamster wheel is always going, always going, always going. And Mm -hmm. that work-life balance Mm -hmm. over here in the United States is very, very imbalanced. Most individuals, their priorities are set on making a certain status, having and maintaining certain things in life. And sometimes on the other end of the scale, it's about survival. Mm -hmm. So if you are surviving, your levels of cortisol, which is a hormone in the body, are very high. Mm -hmm. And that can wear an individual down, you know? So, and that, and that on top of that, that wears down your immune system and your immune system keeps you healthy. So if you can't fight off disease, you'll get sick. But if, guess what? If I get sick, I can't go to work. And if I can't go to work, I can't make money. If I can't make money. And if it's a man, if I can't make money, what type of man am I? You know? And if it's a woman, how can I provide, how can I provide for my family? Maybe it's a single mom. Maybe it's not. But resources have a lot to do with the mental health state of all individuals, but especially those that are disenfranchised. Yes. And you notice like in um, minority or low income communities, up and down the street, fast food, fast food, fast food. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the grocery store, if there's even one there in the community, the quality of the produce is very selected and very poor. Can you unpack that? That's systematic. Remember, we were speaking about the systematic yes. racism that exists. There are parts of certain town of Nashville, because you know you're from here. Yeah, off of Twelfth, that place is a food desert. Mm-hmm. You cannot find a Whole Foods in that area. No, you, you can't. Can you have to go all the way to Green Hills, and a lot of people don't have the tra- transportation to get to Green Hills. Exactly. So with the money that is being poured into certain areas of town reflect the people that are in the area. Mm -hmm. So if you are there, there, I'll put it like this. They're catering to 
their environment, mm -hmm. meaning the capitalistic society. Why would they put a Whole Foods in a and in in a community that possibly could not afford it? But then on top of that, if I put a Whole Foods there, that means they're going to be they're going to give they're going to get more fruits, more vegetables, more Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. That means that they might actually be getting better and making better food choices. That means that they might not go to the doctor and get that prescription that I expect them to get. Mm -hmm. And if they get that prescription, they might not get that diagnosis. So when it comes down, it's all a circle. Yeah. The big, it, yeah. big pharma, the, the medical, um, as far as medicine, you know, big pharma, mm -hmm. as far as medications are concerned, when it comes down to the farming, agricultural industry, they're all in each other's pockets and it's, it goes around and around and around and they're just passing the money um, to to each other. And anybody would say, or as far as research is concerned that I've seen, people say, when you want to know where the problem is, follow the money. Wow. And you know what? That is so true you said that because as you were talking, I began to think also in those same um, communities that, that are experiencing disparity, um, you see more what you call minute clinics or free clinics, but there are no grocery stores. Exactly. They expect you to be sick. They expect violence to happen. They expect you to have to rush somebody to, you know, the ER. They, that's what they expect. So they're planning your, the people in that community's destinies out by putting certain things that they figured that they would need. Wow. But that's based on what they have already set them up to be, you know, as far as the school systems in that area, mm -hmm. as far as the, the crime rates and community-based organizations, if they don't put them there, what are the kids going to do after school? Wow. So, again, it's just foreshadowing. They plan your life out. But as far as research is concerned, the risk of depression increases about 80% when, uh, and in some research that I recently read that compares teens that have low quality diets as opposed to those who have higher quality whole foods diet. Because that diet. impacts your learning in school, right, Dr. Davis? I would assume. Not, not even I would assume. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it does. Because when it comes down to what you're supposed to be putting inside of your body, when I was talking about eating nutrient-dense yes. foods, um, B vitamins, B vitamins, people who have low levels of B12 suffer from brain inflammation. You want to eat food that feed the brain and give the brain vitamins and minerals and things like that. So individuals that have low B12 levels suffer from brain inflammation and higher levels of depression and dementia. Mm -hmm. um, and it, people that actually don't have a lot of folate um, have been linked to a low mood. So um, iron, too. I know so many people and women and men that could raise their hands and say that they're anemic, right? My hand is raised. <laughs> My hand is raised. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that actually has been linked to depression as well. Wow. Omega-3s. Mm -hmm. These are those healthy fat, the, the healthy fatty acids. They improve thinking and memory and possibly your mood. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you get your omega-3s, 6s, and 9s is important for your your clarity of thought and memory and zinc helps control individuals responses to stress. Wow. And I'm like, we're here in the United States of America. We were, and I, one of my professors at this said, we, we won the lottery being born here. Yes. And I didn't understand that at the yes. beginning, but I understand it now because you have the opportunity to do things that other countries do not. Mm -hmm. But there is a flip side to that coin. Um, that we have to manage our lives. Um, 
but the foods that we're eating, right? Zinc, I was just talking about zinc, right? Right. But a great source for zinc is oysters. I am a vegetarian. Oh my God, girl. No, I cannot do oysters. Oh Lord. I'm just saying, (laughs) I supplement, I supplement with, with, um, whole, with whole foods and with actual, you know, I take the actual like the vitamin, but like yeah, raw. That's what no I do. But I'm just saying, anybody on here that likes to you know eat oysters, it has 500 percent of your daily need of zinc. Just, just, but it just has 10 calories. I'm just saying, muscles are good too. Great, good brain food. But um, what about like the salmon or tuna or? Yes, okay. those are great. Salmon and mackerel provide omega three fatty acids. Okay. B twelve, zinc, selenium. Those are good brain boosters. And dark chocolate. Yes, chocolate yes, yes. I love chocolate. Yes, yes. Woo-hoo. Yes, that increases the blood flow to the brain and aids in mood and memory. So you know, I tell people there's a science to eating. There mm-hmm. is a science. And these wonderful gifts that Earth Mother has given us, we sometimes we process them and make them into other things, and sometimes we don't. But we have what we need to be successful and to be healthy. We just have to weed out those things that are not good for us. And we have to do the research. We can't be lazy about it. Right. We, Take we allow the corporate kitchen yes. to feed us these certain things and then we wonder what's wrong it's because you didn't read the label Mm. you didn't ask what's in this because like you said earlier what you are is what you eat you know i have a rule when i go shopping if i cannot pronounce it i do not buy it i'm telling you i I live by that and if I, i take my phone with me i have a number of apps that i that i look at there's one called the dirty dozen and it comes out every year to where you can look at what Fresh fruits and vegetables are on the dirty dozen list, meaning that if they're on the dirty dozen list, you need to buy them organic, hands down, because they're full of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and glyphosate. And these things have been, this research has been done and to extensively see how they affect the human body to where, you know, we have certain illnesses like, um, it's highly debatable, but you know, there's a lot of research out about, autism we're dealing with food allergies Mm -hmm. we're dealing with people who have defects of children who have defects in their their body and their brain like cleft palates and things like that yep all those things especially and then you just have regular when i say regular that's unfortunate that we have to call it regular right but diabetes and hypertension wow well you know what dr davis this call has been so amazing, and you are my first guest on the speaker podcast. Yay, I'm so honored. <laughs> yes, and I definitely, definitely, we have to have you back because we just scratched the surface on this on this uh, episode. So we got to bring you back, girl. We got to have you back because you have so much in- information, and I hope everyone listening uh, really got something out of this particular episode. Um, so with that being said, uh, Dr. Davis, how can people reach you? Like if they want to contact you about mental health or schedule an appointment, social media. So just let people know how they can um, touch bases with you. Great, great. I do have a website. You can go to www.divinewellnessnow.net. And on my website, there are links to my Facebook page and my Instagram page. It talks all about my services and the number to call. The number uh, on my 
website is 615-267-3965. That is my personal business line. And you can actually put your information into the contact page and I'll be able to, to pull it up immediately. I really want any, anybody that's willing and ready to take their life and their wellness into their own hands to, to reach out. And I'm not afraid to say I don't know, but believe me, I will put you in contact with someone who does or I'll do what I need to do to make sure that I can, uh, can assist you. But that again is www.divinewellnessnow.net. And on Facebook, it's Divine Wellness. And on Instagram, it's Divine Wellness Now as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at kamikimeetlashes at gmail.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at kamikimeet. And tap, shop, and slate with me on my website at www.kamikimeet.com. And catch new episodes every weekend of the Speaker Podcast on YouTube and SoundCloud. Until next time, thanks for listening and be blessed.